Welcome from across all points of time to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me from the past is 1893 Pete. Next stop, let's see Miss Little Egypt dance the hoochie coochie. We're all going to die still. The Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 203, 1893 is brought to you by the Cracker Jack Concession Stand. Necessary, logical, and so damn sticky. Pete, today, Marvel Studios Saturday, tomorrow, Star Trek Sunday, as we talk Lower Decks 408, maybe the best episode of the season, so brightness abounding in our podcast timeline. Absolutely, and as we move through that, Matt, there is no movement on the SAG-AFTRA strike. This after the studios rejected a superstar George Clooney-led proposal to take more off the top of the proverbial guide, as it were, um, because nobody in the studio is going to uh, not earn $250 million a year and spread that around. Well, and that's the crazy thing where, to, to recap where things are at this point, there's apparently a $450 million a year difference between what the actors are asking for in uh, benefits and so forth uh, and what the studios are willing to pay. And that $450 million is, by and large, in the neighborhood of what you could do by giving the studio leaders a, a mild pay haircut here. You know, some of these some of these folks are making... 80, 90, 100, 150, 200 million dollars a year depending on if they hit their 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 goals and whatnot. It's that close and for the studios to be saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. The the people at the top pay more money. This sounds terrible." And and here we are Pete with not just suspended talks, but now now it's impacting not just the audience take for 2024, but potentially the studio box office. Yes, because Deadline exclusively reported that Deadpool 3, which still had shooting to be done, uh, won't make its May 3rd date. There is speculation in the piece that Captain America 4 could take that date. It's currently scheduled for June. Uh, We will have to see. Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode. An old-timey Marvel title card uh, gives way to Chicago 1868 on the Sacred Timeline, where Ravona Renslayer steps out of a time door and into the mud. and doesn't think she has the right place, but she finds Miss Minutes in a stable. Renslayer was told that she was going somewhere important to meet someone important, and Miss Minutes asks if she brought what she asked her to. Renslayer produces a brown envelope and is told to place it in the window per he who remains, as his plan is meant to protect all of time. When asked why he didn't do it, Miss Minutes discloses he's dead, 
And this was the plan he made when he knew the end was near. As a man rides by on a horse, Renslayer tells Miss Minutes to get back as she doesn't blend in and she switches to black and white. Renslayer wants to know how she'll be rewarded. And Miss Minutes says when he's back atop of the TVA, they'll be by his side. An African-American child pours wax into a candle mold as the package comes through the open window. He opens it to reveal the official TVA handbook. We get the Loki title card and come out of it in the TVA control room where all our good folks are still locked out of the control system. The situation is currently stable, but the loom's intake diameter must be increased. If they don't, what with those new branches growing back, the TVA will be destroyed and all will die. Mobius pitches hacking into the system, but that's a solid no. It's reiterated in the current status, we are going to die. Hunter B-15 speaks about hope. Uh, maybe in addition to getting uh, the, 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 the temporal signature of He Who Remains or a variant, maybe Miss Minutes can possibly get them in. We're told that Miss Minutes does have admin uh, privileges to all the systems. How is it, though, that they will be able to find a cartoon clock that doesn't want to be found? Uh, let's not forget, says Casey, that Miss Minutes sent a message to Renslayer right before Renslayer disappeared. So track Renslayer and find Miss Minutes. Uh, Casey gets to work on that. We see Loki and Mobius pop into Chicago, 1868. Seems to be a fairly innocuous point. It's prior to the Chicago Fire of 1871. They advance finally to 1893. Pete, that's what the episode is called. Same spot, but now this innocuous place is site of the Chicago World's Fair. I'm so glad that Major Noel Gardner recommended over the summer to read Devil in the White City about this place and this time period. Pete, our heroes name check some of the people from that book, from history. I'm talking the White City. I'm talking Edison. talking H.H. Holmes, who's dastardly killing spree during this time period was genuinely stomach churning to read about and probably good that they didn't focus on it in this plucky marvel disney show but uh yeah read devil in the white city folks major noel gardner recommends it this a branched timeline of 1893 uh where loki and mobius just need to figure out why the two dates 1868 1893 mobius says they'll have to do the legwork and a newsie announces the ghost clock continues to haunt the midway they purchase a paper complete with a sketch of miss minutes later as they enjoy cracker jack they come upon wood carvings of odin thor and balder the brave loki says they're inaccurate especially thor's height and that no one's ever heard of Balder, but Mobius has, uh, who sometimes forgets Loki is one of them. They see a sign for Victor Timely's astounding temporal marbles, and polka music plays in the Hofbrau Beer Hall as Miss Minutes begs Renslayer to open her bag, but she tells her she has to stay uh, so she doesn't freak everyone out. 
Loki and Mobius enter, and eventually spot Renslayer as the lights dim and the curtains open to reveal the temporal loom. Timely takes the stage, talking about the importance of time. Loki IDs him as he who remains, and Mobius doesn't think he's as terrifying as Loki says. This, Matt, footage seemed all a little familiar. It did. This excitingly shown as the post credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And uh, it was... Look, Pete, the old MCU has lost some of its punch lately, and maybe Quantumania had a factor in that. Uh, but it was a thrilling reminder that it still is all connected and uh, to be transported back to um, maybe one of the better parts of Quantumania and seeing it in context now, which is to say that maybe the best part of Quantumania was a clip from something else entirely. Um, but here it is, Pete the return for we viewers of the MCU, the return of he who remains as a variant here, wonderful performance out of Jonathan majors. It's a choice. It's an, it's I'm assuming it's in the script, but it's an acting choice and editing choice to keep his somewhat halting presentation intact here. Um, I think it approached too much, but it never felt like me to be too much. Um, he looked, the guy can act in lines like our futures, perhaps we can shape it, uh, things like that. It's it's captivating to watch. Timely explains time is the future of energy. And as you mentioned there, Jonathan Major's staccato delivery punctuating throughout. Loki says he's a variant who uh, explains his loom inverts the temporal decay of electricity flowing through it, lowering its entropy and gathering it into fine threads of power, which it weaves into elegant ropes of voltage, chaos into order, in other words. Uh, he claims he can light the entire planet and throws a switch, sparking tremendously to great applause. Mobius says they need to bring him back to the TVA and Loki tells him he's out of his mind, but that's a later problem and they need his aura and who knows what else he can do. Renslayer gets to timely as he steps off the stage, but is interrupted by a robber Baron who is interested in the rights to his proto type, but he doesn't do partners. Another man wants to buy it, sparking a bitter war which the robber baron ultimately wins for $1,000. Loki runs into rotund Abraham Lincoln. At the bar, Timely pays the other bidder for his help in driving up the price. Renslayer questions Timely will become he who remains, but Minutes says their help will be vital. Told to settle their disagreement outside, Loki magically deals with not-so-honest Abe. Also, while outside here, there's a councilman who wants to talk to Timely about the the pants that didn't work. They did not make him taller. Uh, Jonathan uh, Majors... Or maybe they did just a little? Well, and, and the... The, the sublime presentation here from Jonathan Majors, who while talking to the councilman, Jonathan Majors is lowering himself. Um, 
like physically lowering himself in order to make the councilman seem taller. Um, it's look, we've discussed many times in the past some of the the real world uh, issues, challenges, and concerns regarding Jonathan Majors within the body of this episode. His acting prowess just just dazzling to behold here. Um, it's starting to dawn on our heroes, Loki and Mobius, that uh, perhaps Timely is a, a confidence hustler. Uh, he prefers luminary, Matt. <laughs> indeed, he claims his ideas are good, but the technology just isn't there yet. It, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like that guy that got Twitter, right? It, that's he's just waiting. <laughs> he's just waiting for it to be possible to micro blog from computers and mobile telephones just wait until the day where where it makes sense pete just wait but the robber baron after a loud boom back in the beer hall uh wants his money back and timely runs hiding in a ferris wheel carriage before escaping trapping the robber baron in it b15 contacts mobius with a development and he tells her they have a he who remains variant they can use for his aura. She shares Casey has a really weird tempad reading about 10 feet from where Mobius is standing. Loki grabs timely, but Sylvie has her sword out for him and pushes them into another uh, empty carriage. Renslayer admonishes Mobius for letting Sylvie track them there, but he says maybe she tracked her. Loki keeps Sylvie from Timely, who has the TVA handbook. Mobius tells Renslayer Timely is the key to fixing the loom. I'm glad that we get a little moment here to recap that Sylvie is there to kill Timely. I'm sure we're not going to be bogged down with any further recap in this episode so we've gotten it out of the way here um inside that ferris wheel car uh sylvie says she does not want to be there she notes that somehow the tva book got to timely uh, a path set up by renslayer in the book again pete this might feel like recap but now we've gotten all that out of the way truly and we can just move on loki recaps that the tva is there to protect all the lives of the people and so forth uh sylvie notes that this is all very familiar this fight that's about to happen here the protection of uh of he who remains or a variant by loki it's very very season one with that there's green magic blasts and they end up outside the car Ultimately, it is time for Miss Minutes to do her things. She embiggens herself, uh, scaring everyone away. Away from the ghost clock. Ooh. <laughs> Renslayer takes timely. Sylvie blames Loki for him getting away, and Mobius wants to chase on a bicycle built for two. In his safe house, Timely shows Renslayer and Miss Minutes his refrigerator chair. Miss Minutes introduces herself and they tell him about his creation of the TVA as well as Loki and Sylvie's pursuit of him. I'm glad they recapped that because I had forgotten. <laughs> she takes his hand and tells him she'll keep him safe. Miss Minutes explains before he created the TVA, he created her. Ms. Ravona is just looking to restore stability to the TDA and its loom, not dissimilar 
to what the wizard gentleman told him. They tell him Loki cannot be trusted because he helped murder his variant. The robber baron bangs on the door and they leave through a window so Timely can retrieve his latest prototype at a lab across the lake in Wisconsin with lower taxes. Loki and Mobius see them and give chase. The robber baron gets between them and Loki blasts them, but they've lost them and leave, allowing Timely, Renslayer, and Miss Minutes to come out of hiding. Take us, Matt, to the SS Heron. Before we head there, Pete, I have a question for you. Are you suffering from hibernation sickness? You don't want to go for the possible Star Wars reference here, as Renslayer notes, a long time ago, dot, 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 before she recaps the history of the TVA. Far, far away, <laughs> uh, like Ahsoka. Uh, and, and second, I just had to chuckle, and this is probably not the intended... Um, Oh, the intended implication here. This notion that his lab is in Wisconsin. Maybe, Pete, this production is on the move for tax benefits. You know, a show that went to Atlanta for tax benefits that went to the UK for tax benefits. Maybe maybe that's what Victor Timely is chasing as well. Um, but as you mentioned, Pete, we're on the SS Heron, uh, which Renslayer and Timely have boarded. He needs his usual accommodations um, a little time has passed, Miss Minutes sitting on the rail as Timely talks about the key to understanding and manipulating time. He flips through his TVA guidebook. Who was it who left it there all those years ago? He quickly says, was it you? And Renslayer says, yes. Miss Minutes is jealous. Regardless, Timely thanks Renslayer. Uh, no, uh, thanks, thanks them, I guess. Uh, he calls the book a correspondence between himself and the book's author, Ouroboros, which I just thought was a lovely moment there. I know, Pete, we're taking this episode to task a little bit for sometimes when it repeats and repeats and so forth, but uh, just uh, th that's an elegant line there, elegantly written line. Um, he also talks about the throughput multiplier that could help with the loom situation. So if nothing else, Pete, we are setting up potentially a fix back in the future uh, when that time comes, though not this episode. It's clearly the design that uh, OB was working on, but being unable to open the blast doors there, keeping him from putting that fix on the time loom. Um, Timely makes Renslayer a paper flower, and uh, later, when she's fallen asleep in one of the rowboats, uh, he and Miss Minutes uh, unceremoniously drop her down to the lake, leaving her behind. Uh, and she starts to row after them. You uh, see, Pete, that's because he doesn't do partnership. That's something that was said earlier in the episode. The uh, Yeah. The, it's like poetry. The Chekhov's no partnerships gone just went off in the form of dropping a rowboat. Uh, later, Timely welcomes Miss Minutes to his lab in the morning, showing her the culmination of his life's work, placing it in his messenger bag. He's ready to get to the TVA, but she was thinking about laying low. She confesses she was worried 
he wouldn't come with her, that he liked Renslayer more than her uh, as she changes back to color. Uh, she explains he when he first created uh, her long before the TVA and the multiversal war, she was just a simple AI to play chess with, but he gave her autonomy to write her own program, making them more than friends. Pete, it's the Miss Minutes origin story you never knew you wanted. There you go, Disney Plus. No need to make one yourself and then a year later be like, now with no color or extra color or whatever. Yeah, there you go on October 20th on Disney Plus. She asks why he didn't allow her a real body, but he clarifies it wasn't him. She says she could have become his girl creepily morphing onto a mannequin and he reaches for the tempad and deactivates her before she can stop him then pete renslayer is there too you see she was feverishly rowing when dropped in lake michigan and pete she's a gal who never gives up and despite the fact that i'm gonna propose that maybe the person that wrote this episode doesn't know how big lake michigan is and that I know this, Pete. Renslayer, she's traveled through time and all this junk. I take back my criticism. I'm sure she could row all night across Lake Michigan and get there a handful of minutes after the person in the boat who did. It's, it is the way it is. Um, she's got an energy gun in hand. That's kind a prototype time stick. Uh, there you go. Hashtag it's all connected. Timely now saying he's made a mistake, but Renslayer hammering home that she's there on a mission from he who remains and she is in fact in charge pete that's when loki and mobius arrive uh and it's time to now reflect hey we're only missing sylvie at this point it's getting the gang all back together here um mobius asks if this is really free will perhaps renslayer has lost her way but she's not gonna be lectured by mobius whose messes she has cleaned up all those years uh, and Mobius uh, asks who will keep track of the big picture. Um, but by the way, did anyone notice that as soon as Renslayer left, everything fell apart? Which I have to admit, Pete, did give me some pause there. She, Renslayer says, brings order from chaos. Uh, and then everybody is blasted by green magic. Because, Pete, the the missing Sylvie, who you mentioned moments ago, has now arrived. Timely pleads with her he hasn't done anything but she tells him he will do some terrible things he tells her he's not the man she thinks he is and she relents for loki and mobius to take him they open a time door and he goes through and uh sylvie tells them not to let her regret it um they leave after Mobius gives Renslayer a long look. After admitting to endlessly imagining killing her, Sylvie instead pushes Renslayer through a time door to the end of time, where he who remains, remains, sit. Indeed, I was wondering what we would get from him in this scene but there he is rotted away renslayer frees miss minutes uh it's noted that uh mid love you no less 
she comes out of the temp pad, which she was telling him before. Indeed, Pete, a tender moment, though we are moments away from the end of the episode here. Weirdly, I feel for uh, Miss Minutes, who does say that she has a big secret to share and uh, it's going to make Renslayer oh so angry. And that's the note upon which we end. Hey! Oh, wow. 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 Oh, man, I feel like wow. Wow. Let's blow some minds with some theories. Pete, let's start with an easy one here. The 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 peanut and cracker jack of the bunch, if you will. Um has timely stepped through the door back to the present day. You know, we've had past, present, and future TVA, the present day TVA where Ouroboros and all the others are, and will we get fast motion on that next week? I mean, that's the, the pressing concern at this point. Um, you know, you've stranded Renslayer and Miss Minutes at the end of time, albeit with a temp pad. I don't know that that was necessarily the smartest decision. They have the means to leave there, right? Um, and now the the motivation uh, to team up against him when before it was to find him. You know, it, it all depends what this big secret that uh, Miss Minutes has about him that, uh, I'm sorry, about her that uh, she can exploit against him and, and knowing all his other secrets. It's, it's interesting to try and look back to last season for clues on how this season is paced. You add to it this notion that Jonathan Majors is in about three episodes and we've discussed, does that include voice stuff and physical likeness and so on and so forth. I think that if this if this episode was the fourth episode, in my mind, it would then be easy to say, oh, and in five and six, that's where we have the resolution and so forth, whatever it might be, whether Timely dies and there's a new variant that comes through, you know, whatever that might look like. I find myself a little tripped up by this notion that I think next week there he is in the control room and they can scan his aura and they can save the day with the bleep bloop blop and all of that. Um, do we possibly next week have an episode that um, is kind of like, not exactly a one-off, but kind of an out of the blue, you know, since we're anticipating resolution, do we get something that's entirely different? Do we get the Renslayer flashback episode, something of that sort? Um, but that's got to be the secret, right? Like who she was, I think telling her story opens up then Mobius's and, and B-15s and maybe even Casey's and possibly even OB's, you know, who were these people on the timeline? And you start to drop the dominoes like that. I mean, I've got to be honest, this third episode of the second season uh, to me felt way too long. Um, I think where normally uh, this show has a little bit longer run times so you can have great scenes of dialogue between Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Um, it didn't have that. Obviously they're not as featured in this episode, but I think, yeah, not a ton happened in this it's more set up whereas that 
third season or sorry third season that third episode in the first season the highlight of the series to me that lamentous apocalypse one uh you know just loaded with action i was definitely wooed in this episode by the production value by again uh noel gardner suggesting read devil in the white city which i did this summer and i'm uh, there it is the the, you know the the whole thing well (laughs) a very little portion showed up on screen but there it is in spirit the whole thing on screen and great production design so i feel like on the one hand i was wooed by that and i certainly enjoyed it but then and even you know i enjoy the cliffhanger at the end what's the secret oh i can't wait to talk about it on the podcast but looking at the episode at a whole whose stories were advanced here okay timely who else nobody really i mean fine we saw renslayer light the light the fuse that became victor timely in 1893 but what new things do we learn about characters and their situation and so forth um not really so in that you know in that regard when sylvie shows up again to fight loki again over whether we care or don't care about he who remains and the status of the tva whether it is good or bad again that's kind of where it's oh wait emotionally not a lot happened even though we had fun along the way so 1893 is officially a branched timeline and we know that the ones that were pruned by docs were told in this episode are now growing back that will continue to overload the time loom which we know at a later point in the TVA's future um, is closer to meltdown when Loki gets pruned and comes back in that first episode via the, uh, the, what was the device that Obi made for him there? The, uh, the temporal aura extractor. Okay. So the time looping that's, gone on in the larger story now he who remains dies miss minutes has uh been dispatched by him uh who she brings in renslayer to give him the means of creating the tva um and potentially to start this cycle all over again i mean just look at the circular nature um miss minutes tells renslayer they will be by his side (laughs) where do they wind up at the end of the episode (laughs) yeah yeah by he remains (laughs) remains um so i can definitely appreciate the symmetry with which they're telling the story again. I just wish a little bit more had happened in this particular narrative other than getting us at with something that's not new here, the concept of, of time looping. I mean, come on, we have a character named Ouroboros, (laughs) the dragon that consumes its tail. You mentioned the, forthcoming meltdown at the TVA I I would like to contrast that with this notion that if the fix that OB is discussing at the beginning of the episode if that fix is put in place then 
the loom will be able to handle these timelines. While on the one hand, that's not a throwaway line, I would like to propose that through that line, through the newly empowered loom that allows multiple timelines, I mean, potentially you're getting a ton of... uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll be based and treat it from a studio perspective. Potentially a ton of content can flow through that. I mean, eventually, when this actor strike is settled and so on and so on and so on, you know, eventually we're going to get things like uh, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine in the yellow outfit, as has been, you know, as was shared from Deadpool 3 before it stopped filming. Uh, the potential, from a story perspective, for other timelines to give us uh, X-Men or things of that sort it's readily there as a story perspective also too to whatever degree from a creative slash corporate perspective there might be chaos on the bridge or there might be you know oh look tracking currently says the Marvels is going to come in has have an opening weekend well under what the first one did is that because of the Marvels or is that because of MCU issues or MCU slowdown or comic book hero fatigue, things of that sort. I mentioned all this, Pete, because the potential for whatever fix you want coming from another timeline that, again, might be from a purely creative perspective or might be from a corporate perspective saying, we got to do something to jumpstart the MCU again. It could come from another timeline, which OB is saying at the beginning of the episode, hey, maybe in a few episodes we'll be able to allow those alternate timelines with no problem. I mean, this as uh, Natasha Romanoff sacrificed herself for the Soul Stone and the Battle of Earth happened this week. Time flies when you're having fun slash memories of... uh... Memories are some of the greatest times there with the MCU and so forth. Uh, Pete, from my very large observation, something that could be opening the door to years and years and years of X-Men movies and TV shows and Fantastic Four arriving fully formed and not, you know, let's go up in space and oh no, there's space radiation. Um, From that very big to the very, very small, the very first time I heard, I, I saw a video uh, about the Chicago World's Fair of 1893, which the video, uh, I think it was, um, can't remember the YouTube channel at the moment, but they had referenced Devil in the White City and so forth. One of the big takeaways, in fact, the hook that that YouTube episode ended on was one of the people working at the Chicago World's Fair was Elias Disney, Walt's father, and this notion that he learned things about how to do park and how to do entertainment and how to do authenticity. And maybe he told that to his son and so forth. I had so text- wait, the Chicago world's fair created Disney like, um, the TVA guidebook created Victor timely. Yes. And you know, all this episode needed was a guy with a mustache. I must confess. <laughs> I don't remember what Elias Disney did. Um, there i want to say maybe it was sanitation but all they needed was one guy with a walt disney-esque look and mustache pushing a broom and it would have been completely awesome and i say minutes could have turned into a mouse for a minute yeah like it it, let alone and let alone here it is the disney you know disney 100th anniversary and all of that which you, you didn't even need that to stick a walt's dad in the background somewhere maybe Maybe it's there out of focus and whatnot, but I feel like, 
I mean, if not, then when? When do you... I mean, this is this is not quite Stan Lee cameo territory, but it would have been so perfect. Just, you know, excuse me, guys, and the guy walks through and you, you look at the picture. Like, it would have been a really cool moment that, unfortunately, they didn't go for. Balder the Brave, a deep cut here, Matt. Uh, the half-brother of Thor and Loki. Um, having beef with Loki they didn't get along uh too perfect is usually what uh Balder the Brave is uh described as is he coming well let me answer that from a slightly different perspective uh and I I 99 times out of 100 I don't you know I avoid articles and theories and so forth uh about shows that we podcast I, I avoid it at least before we podcast but might have been insider there was some article that said is uh, Mobius uh, Balder the Brave? I think that's a weak. I mean, first of all, yeah. we've seen the Thor. Think Mobius of when. What's that? Mobius is Mobius. Yeah, Mobius is Mobius. And <sighs> come on, the story has told us Mobius wants a jet ski and things like that. Like, that's a much more interesting thing than look, there's three guys standing there and one of them wishes to be up there. Wouldn't it be fun if the other person was the third guy that was there? Um, as for, do we get more of a Thor connection and so forth? I mean, let me go Let me go outside the story here. I feel like Thor stories are on pause given the conclusion of Thor 4 and Hemsworth not readily back and so forth. I know Thor 4 did have some weird post-credit scenes that spell to a great big beautiful tomorrow of continuing story even though it kind of doesn't make sense shruggy shrug um but i would not i would not say that we are i would not say that we're headed towards more thor odin um asgard type stuff i think it was just a wonderful moment to remind us loki is this poor orphaned boy who has meddled with his brother and father and mother and sometimes to to great painful results. And when they played that little musical motif to remind us of that, that to me that was the the, the thrust of including uh Thor and Odin and Balder here and not setting up Balder the Brave being our big second half surprise or something. Timely not doing partnerships flies into the face of the recording that we've heard between uh, He Who Remains and Renslayer. So one of the themes in this episode, that of free will, perhaps it still exists for him to, uh, you know, not partner up with her. And and that doesn't happen where it had happened in the past. Um, also, some overtures here towards a Renslayer timely relationship. I think there's a couple of ways you could slice it. First, on the recording, was he who remains co-partnering with Renslayer or more saying, you know, hey, frontline grunt, I think you're really important. You're really swell. So you go run to that gunfire there and do stuff for all he who remains because you're super important. Now, good luck. I'm going to stay here. So I think that's one possible outcome. A second is, could it be that 
Victor Timely in his uh, in in his novice nature has yet to recognize the value of partnership and the value of team ups and things of that sort. I mean, not for nothing. I think we can all agree he who remains Kang is a very um, uh, selfish person. However, what did we see in Quantumania? Lots and lots of Kangs who might know that one day they're going to have to stab each other in the back. But in the interim, let's work together and power up beyond powering up. Um, so maybe that's part of the arc that Timely is on, is realizing it's all about finding the right person to partner up with. And as you're saying, Pete, maybe there's a romantic partnership there. The fairy, the SS Heron. This, of course, a reference to season one director Kate Heron, who did not return for season two, uh, having worked on the show for, in her words, like three years. Um, yeah, it's great that this season pays credit to somebody who didn't want to come back, who's part of a Marvel Studios system that, generally speaking, devalues the input of directors because at the end of the day they're just there to make stuff get into the camera and that the real movie is made in the pre-production meetings that they have out in the desert uh then they send writers to go do stuff and then the real movie gets made again in the edit when they edit it all together and do last minute fixes and whatnot that's by the way though i have some sarcasm in my voice i mean that's it's not a direct kevin feige quote but kevin feige has said the real movie gets made when you figure out the story beats before the script is written and the real movie gets made in pre in post-production. All that stuff in the middle is just finding the right thing along the way. So, Pete, it's nice that they gave a shout-out to the lady who didn't come back for season two. OB and this throughput multiplier, clearly that is part of the story moving forward. So the tech there be interesting too matt now that we know her motivation uh miss minutes trying to get a real body yeah i think though we are a bit down on this episode it might be one whose esteem rises between now and when the season is done in terms of you know has this set up a brand new trajectory for miss minutes who's more than the Amazon slash Apple device person who partway through season one is given some weird looks. Oh, that's because she's working for he who remains and is autonomous and so forth. But you know, is she really headed towards a different form by the end of the season? Um, similarly, look, we have all, we, we potentially have all the story pieces in place for the loom to be fixed Part of me is wondering, just to go back to this notion of timing, maybe our Jonathan Majors episodes are three, four, and five, and maybe what we saw for the TVA future and Loki gets pruned and all of that, maybe that's all episode five, and then episode six is some crazy springboard, much as in last season, we kind of, okay, we have a sense of stopping the trouble in the TVA and who's in charge, and episode six was kind of a rewrite and a, and a jump into another way to look at things. Um, so I just want to plant that flag, if nothing else to say, that maybe what we think is the f- season finale of Loki, Vision of the Future, where he gets pruned and Sylvia's there, that maybe it's episode five, and we have no idea what episode, what's in store for episode six. Time to hear what you think. 
We ran a poll in which people could vote by number of Ferris wheels as to the thoughts of this episode. One squeaky wheel, 9.5%. Two wheels on the way down, 4.8%. Three wheels on the way up, uh, 23.8%. And then four wheels, top of the top, 61.9%. Some replies. First, pumpkin spice has no pumpkin. That's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Dang Ms. Minutes getting dang creepy. The end of time is not looking good and the tension is building. Super fun ride. Uh, at Diana Bodenberg says, Loki is honestly my favorite MCU character and I love this series so much. I have an irresponsible theory that Ms. Minutes is going to try and take over He Who Remains Corpse. Since she was talking about wanting a body, she's a mess. Pete, let's pause there for a moment. Not a bad theory. I kind of like that. It's a variant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a look. <laughs> uh, next up, we hear from uh, Steve Thurberge, who says 1868 was sacred timeline, but 1893 branched, subtle, but maybe important. Majors is good at acting. Is Renslayer a he who remains variant? Sylvie Loki symmetry. Uh, Pete, you replied and said she who remains. And not for nothing, that would be in line with a big giant reveal there i, I kind of like that then one more reply to steve's uh to steve's comment here ian silverman at sylvie underscore 76 says interesting point concerning the different timelines an excellent call on ravona might be a variant of he who remains had never even occurred to me but the story could go in a direction where the twist would make a lot of sense i i like that i really like that as i really do as well yeah that you would have the symmetry too on both sides Loki and uh, you know he who remains Kang etc you know why why can't there be a, a female one and I, I think it's in line with what we've seen it also would explain why he who remains on tape was willing to partner with her who right. better to trust than yourself right. um, yeah Good stuff there. We hear from Noel Gardner uh, at Noel Camille, uh, who said, I tuned in for Loki and got Fatal Attraction meets Deadly Friend, and I'm here for it. The timey-wimey <laughs> time stuff is a bit all over the place, but who cares? We're having fun. Loki gets to be mischievous and use magic. Figures Ramona, uh, Ravona pardon me, has been running the show all along. Or is it Miss Minutes? She needs to sit down and have a slice of Soylent Key Lime Pie. <laughs> Um, I like the reference there too, and maybe just a questioning where the key lime pie comes from. Well, the key lime pie that uh, there was some discussion amongst some of our followers this week that maybe that represses the memories because um, there's uh, there's signage you're allowed one a week, you you can't double up. That it might be some kind of time controlled. Uh, time lapse, uh, you know, wipe away memory snack. I really like that. And I feel details like that are what you can explore or discover in a season that's more than six episodes. Like when you're kind of, let, let's take it from, from worst to first, when you're kind of sitting in the writing room going, oh, what are we going to do to come up with 18 episodes? And these crazy things get spit out and then you start to build, build, build. Um, you have the time and place to do that versus if that's not an idea that was baked in, no pie pun intended, at the beginning of the season, then you kind of don't find it. And it, it could be one of these things where the theory is cooler than like, no, they just have a room where everybody goes to eat pie. Like that's, you know, that's the extent of it. Time 
will tell Pete. Next tweet here, uh, Rose Ferry at Anna Rose 584 says, Loki and Mobius are both so interesting in this series, but what's the deal with Ravona? I can't even begin to understand Miss Minutes. I haven't commented on anything in a long time, but this show is incredible. So, Pete, no complaint there from Rose. None whatsoever. Last tweet comes from Bike BRH on Twitter. This was good, not great. It would have been better if Jonathan Majors was trying to act uh, so hard. I think maybe there's a little typo there, perhaps bike beerage meant wasn't trying to act so hard uh him talking like a victim of traumatic brain injury or someone who had never talked before today was tremendously annoying sans any explanation for why he talks like that pete i had just inferred that uh, certainly it's an acting choice maybe it's just a way to differentiate these variants uh also an opportunity for jonathan majors but uh i guess them's the breaks what do you have over there on apple podcasts a review left on the pop culture podcast feed by Immature Hour. Uh, five stars. The headline is MCU might be struggling, but MAP, parentheses, Matt and Pete are not. And it reads, started listening to Matt and Pete as a pandemic project to learn more about the MCU. My entry points were Daredevil and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I found cataloged Fantastic Geek podcasts to help me digest what I was watching and connect the dots on macro and micro levels. Now that Marvel content has hit some tough times, I suffer through shows like Secret Invasion just for the reward of a Fantastic Geek podcast. I'm often not as enthusiastic as they are about the viewing experience, but no problem. I still enjoy listening to the fellas with a PH there, Matt. Thanks for your insights, knowledge, and opinions, Matt and Pete. Well, thank you, Immature Hour. And I want to say we do try to keep it positive, even if we're down on elements of a show. That said, you should check out our podcast for Inhumans, the show that broke us. The show that, the show that just broke us, and I will always. But even have... then, I you know that we had some fun goofing about it. I mean, I, I think there's just so much negativity in terms of podcasts, um, you know. And again, I'm down on this episode, but you know, do we need to beat a dead horse? I don't think so. Uh, also, uh, yeah. Um, werewolf by night by color uh no thanks pete to the email inbox we go we're here from jack who had had sent them some thoughts for episode two unfortunately after we had podcasted it so jack picks up from there saying so i jack was right uh that in episode two uh, was a blip in terms of quality i felt like this was a much better episode he's not talking about episode three the action more consistent. We get Miss Minutes, Ravona, and Victor Timely all in one episode. It's also nice to see a play on the Back to the Future 2 theme here, where he who remains uh, have Ramona, uh, pardon me, Ravona, I don't know why I keep calling her Ramona, Ravona give Victor Timely the TVA manual, but instead of becoming super rich like Biff did with the Almanac, or a version of Kang that he who remains was expecting, Victor Timely became a charlatan. It was really fun to see a complete resolution of this character all in a single episode. Lastly, I really like the little things they do, like playing the opening credits theme using an old-timey piano and weave in beats of the Loki theme uh, when they were about to introduce Victor Timely. Stay fantastic. That from Jack in NYC, pointing out pointing out some of the positives of this episode. 
Thank you, Jack. Uh, one of the winners of uh, our drawing during our 10th anniversary gala, Google Meet. Uh, still waiting for Stacy Thomas. I hope the other uh, you know winner to reach out for me. I, I don't have contact information to get you your uh, your prize. Uh, Pete, last email comes from Ian Silverman, who I believe we also heard from via uh, Twitter. Uh, he said, even though this episode continued to focus on the talky-talky more than the big action set pieces, I'm really enjoying this season. In fact, even more than the dialogue, for me what stood out about this episode was how it looked and how it sounded. The costumes were outstanding. The production design was spectacular. I loved the piano and old-timey saloon arrangement of the Marvel theme played over yes. the Marvel Studios title card. Ms. Minutes immediately changing to a Betty Boop look so she'd fit in better in the 19th century was pretty hilarious. Ms. Minutes suddenly revealing herself to be almost stalker-level obsessed with He Who Remains was not as hilarious. It will be interesting to see and learn more about how much she's actually the one behind everything that's happening with him and with the TVA, as well as what the big secret is that she knows about Ravona. Might it have to do with Franklin D. Roosevelt High School? Let's not forget Pete. Let me pause in for a second. She was revealed to be, was the teacher or a principal there? I think it was the assistant principal. But yeah, it's, it's got to be that. Um, back to Ian, who says, Also, I was re reserving judgment, but I have to agree with Pete that Sylvie's hair this season gets a big thumbs down. Can't wait to hear what well, theories... Let me, if, I, if I may, sure. I, I like the 80s hairstyle. I don't like the wig they had to give her to cover up that she has this new hairstyle. Uh, wrapping up Ian's words here, can't wait to hear what theories you and your other listeners had. Thanks, as always, for all that you do, and stay fantastic. That's from Ian Silverman in San Diego, California, where, Pete, I'm going to assume it's sunny and 78 degrees. Yes, and uh, the German translation for the name, everybody knows. Uh, Pete, this entire voyage across time, back to the olden times, has been made possible by those who support patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, and we could not do it without you. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Be like Immature Hour. Give us a rating or a review on any of our uh, 34 podcast feeds, soon to be 35 and 36, what with Echo and Skeleton Crew coming sometime. Uh, which might now be a little later on account of the movie stuff being I, I still had the date sometime. <laughs> this is true. Uh, Pete, let's keep the mcu conversation going how can people be in touch with you on various social media websites some of which may experience major user loss once they move to a paid model in the coming months you can find me on twitter on threads on blue sky at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-l-r-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r twelve thousand six hundred followers can't be wrong while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, and Threads, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. 
As mentioned at the top, we recap here at the bottom that we will be back tomorrow on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and on the Lower Decks feed to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Oh, don't get your britches in a stir. 